1: As I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am so pumped today to have one of my good friends with me, Allison. Welcome,
0: Allison. Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
1: This is going to be such a fun conversation because the more I've got to know you, your heart, your passion for people... And I think, too, it's going to be a little turn of events to hear what you're not sorry for in a minute. So before we get into that, tell people a little bit about yourself.
0: I am a Southern Alabama girl. I am married with two boys. I graduated from the University of Alabama Roll Tide and uh I just had the opportunity of having a life that I did not necessarily plan for. When you go to college and you think about what you're going to do or who you're going to be, that did not necessarily happen, but it was better. It's better. And life experiences guided me to where I am. So going from hospitality and, you know, how can I help you? How can I serve you? to working with the American Cancer Society and having a heart for patients and fundraising and helping meet their needs. And then now working with youth and children and education, its it's been a different turn of events, not where I thought I was going to end up.
1: Mm-hmm. And I love it because I think we'll get into it a little bit. It's a part of what you're not sorry for as well, but um It's crazy how life works and what we expect it to be and what it ends up to be uh, later on. So the show is called Unapologetically Bold. Allison, what
0: are you no longer apologizing for? I am unapologetically bold because I'm not sorry for fighting. Amen to that one. Um, Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. So when you think about a fight and you hear the word, you think about people who are maybe physically fighting or, you know, doing something like that. But sometimes life happens and we end up having to fight for what's right Mm. and what's good and safety and protection and being in a better place. And that is what I fight for. And I fight for our youth. And it came from a very, very personal experience.
1: Yeah. And I think the power of it, too, is in that fight. Sometimes we got to fight for ourselves and that we don't tend to. So I'd love to hear if you're open to it. Just tell your story a little bit about your fighting and where you learned the power and passion for it um, and how it has impacted you going forward.
0: Well, getting right out of college, I got married and. I, um, you know, you have this picture of the perfect little white house with the fence and the dogs and how great it's going to be. And six months after getting married um, was the first time I got a phone call to come get my husband out of jail. And I was not expecting that. I was not prepared for that. And I remember after getting him and going, who are you? What, What are these choices? Where's the man I fell in love with? And he said, what does it matter? I got you now. And those words will forever, forever sit with me. And he was um, struggling with his bipolar and he would have good days and bad days and ups and downs. And, you know, the old phrase, you can't lead, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, that's kind of like our story. I mean, I would want to get him help or you want to you want to support and help them and during our times of good we had this beautiful amazing little boy and we were married for right at eight years and so from six months in for the next seven and a half years you know you're very aware and there were more calls and there were more situations and it was not a healthy environment And I got to a place after starting to work for the Jennifer Clare Moore Foundation and learning about their peer helpers program, about the level you can control and you can't control and how you can help someone, but they have to help themselves. And I realized that I was trying to get help and I was fighting in a relationship and in a home that I was now choosing to make the decision to be in a very unhealthy place for a small child. And so when my child was three, I ended up um, getting the peace beyond all peace I've ever gotten, knowing that I had done everything I could to help him and got a divorce. And I was able to divorce and get out of that relationship. But my child wasn't. So then we had 50 percent with dad and his world and 50 percent with mom and her world. And the rules were different and how it affected him and his his behaviors and the way he treated, you know, me after being with dad for a week and then learning that he hadn't been cared for the way that you would want your child to be cared for. And so I go back to court and I fight and I try to help and protect him because when you pick your child up from pre-K and there's a marijuana pipe in his book bag, you don't have a choice. And not everybody can afford to do that. Not everybody can find those resources and find that energy, that physical, mental, emotional energy to do that. And I had to do that. And I will say even today, because his dad's very unhealthy, um, we're back in the court world trying to get him better, to be able to be an active role model and a figure and a parent in his world for, I call it My Max. My Max is a very resilient now, nine and a half year old little boy. And he is amazing. And he makes me know that we're doing what's right because in the fight to help keep him safe and give him the support he needs, we're also helping dad, even though he may not be in a healthy state to see that. And so mental health is very real. It's very active in my world and what I do. And uh, I also get energy and passion for that from my husband now. And so I, I did remarry about two years ago. And uh, he, he's as committed to protecting our now two boys. We now have two boys. And it's, uh, it's something you do daily. It's, it's ingrained in who you are. And so I know that there are other Maxes out there. And I want to help those maxes, and I want to make sure that they feel supported and that they know that what happens around them is not their fault. And it doesn't have to define them. And they can truly be whoever God intended them to be.
1: That's so powerful. And I think the part, too, is that there are other maxes. There's other kids. There's other people along the way. And I love that you say that mental health is so real because it is like just because you can't see the wound does not mean that there's not a wound there. And it's so powerful and impactful. I know the work that you do, especially with mental health first day for the youth as well. But the, along the journey too, I see is that fighting that you talked about at the beginning and it's not just fighting for yourself. It's also fighting for your family. It's your priorities and knowing who you are. So I'd love to talk about that for a minute is, and I probably butchered this way or have said this way too much on this podcast, but I think it's so important to know who you are and whose you are through this um, process. Mm -hmm. So how has not only your physical health, but your spiritual health and your mental health all helped you to fight whenever sometimes it feels like it's counterintuitive and that fighting might actually cause more struggle.
0: When you hear the word faith, sometimes we are tested in our faith and how much we will give and understand. And I will tell you, fighting, like I shared, is a has that mental, emotional component of it. I will tell you that you hit your knees and you understand you're not in control. You know, you do everything you can to protect those that you love, but ultimately you're not in control because someone else is making that decision, whether it's in a courtroom or, you know, in a different environment. But I will tell you, one of my weakest moments was when I had gone to court a lot in one year and I had $140 to my name. I had wiped out my savings. Uh, The mortgage was coming up. And when I say, he let me know he he held me in the palm of his hand that our Lord did. And all of a sudden, our sister organization to understand that the Jennifer Claire Moore Foundation focuses just on the kids in Balling County, Alabama. But there were other kids outside of this area. Our sister organization came to fruition and um, I ended up running two organizations and therefore had a little increase in, in compensation enough to pull me out of that gap, that, that place. But he got me down to the bare minimum. He got me down ben- to where I felt like I wasn't even on my knees anymore. I was laid, laid out on the <laughs> floor, like flat. Yep. I like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to take care of this child, but I'm trying to take care of this child. And I feel like I'm being not punished, but it's exhausting. Everything I have. uh uh-huh. And he said, "I got you." Mm-hmm. And he continues to show me, and, and he continues to bless our family.
1: Mm. And I think something too that here, and this may or may not work. Have you've dealt with it or not? But for me, I find in those moments that I fight perfectionism the, the most during that time that if I feel like I got to be perfect to, to receive favor at time, or I feel like I got to, I can't make a mistake. If I make one tiny mistake, like I'm going to lose my kid, or I'm going to lose all that I've worked for and all this stuff. And I don't
0: know, did you ever deal with that through that time? Um,
1: oh, it's
0: absolutely. absolutely. You're looking over your shoulder going, don't, I, I mean, I know I'm not perfect. I'm a human, like that's impossible, but I do kind of have that more type A perfect, perfectionist personality of wanting to always give my best and do my best. And my best wasn't good enough. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I could get to the mark. I felt like the mark was so far beyond me. And instead, I should have stopped and, and I do better now of taking a breath and knowing I've given all I can today. And just as I give people grace, you can give yourself grace and that positive self-talk and self-care and people talk about care for yourself. And sometimes I'm up at two to 4am still trying to work on things and still trying to help me beat deadlines and getting things for people. Because if I said, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to follow through on that. And, and I understand that personal sacrifice. And then you have to take time out for your family and feed your kids and get everybody bathed and clean and, you know, bedtime, bed of prayers and homework and all that jazz. And it's exhausting. You feel like you're, you're failing everywhere when you're just taking steps forward. It's Mm -hmm. a step forward and that is success and Mm -hmm. and giving ourselves grace. And I think as women and mothers and people in the world, we expect to achieve 27 things on our to-do list every day. And my to-do list will blow your mind because I'm like, we can do this. I got this. Mm -hmm. And It's an extreme stretch goal every day. And why do we have to have stretch goals every day? Why can't we just say, if I get two things done before lunch and two things done after lunch or one thing or one thing or one big project, whatever it is, I got it done. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I, I did that. And giving ourselves grace is hard. And I think the beauty of that, too, is it is hard.
1: It is like that's a fight is to give yourself grace, especially if you fight with perfectionism or if you fight with this constant wanting to give better and be better this growth, like what they don't mention a lot of time with growth mindset is the constant fight that comes with having it, that Mm -hmm. there's this constant fight that you want to be better daily. But in, in life, it's um, one of my buddies, Andy Bass, he says, Dr. Andy Bass, he talks about how it's a dance and it's not where we always go forward but sometimes we take five steps backwards we have to duck over something swinging at us and it's just like this ugly but yet beautiful dance that's learning it's life and and it also makes me think back to your the beginning of your story too which you talked about how after you got out of college like your white picket fence like this this thought process and i mm-hmm. remember I remember sitting with my girlfriend, Candace in our dorm, and we were, she taught me about vision boards, and so we did our vision board, and I was going to travel the world, I was going to end up at the Medical College of Georgia, I was going to get, um, be a doctor, all these things that I was going to be, and I was going to marry a professional baseball player, um, so trophy wife 101, here we go, um, but then I had life hit. I had my kid out of wedlock, like, and those years that I had to deal with extreme shame. But in that process of not only fighting for my life and my kids, I learned the best lessons and the greatest grace and just what true love was and what I actually wanted with my life. And so here's my question for you, though, from the things that you have learned, how do you plan Do you plan that far in advance or for uh, example, for me, I am, you know, this, I'm a person of faith, so I don't do broad plan thinking anymore. It's just like, whenever I get my word, whenever I get my notice, I go with it. And that drives some people crazy. So I'd love to know being that you are a
0: professional planner too, (laughs) indeed I am. We have to have a plan and we have to have a plan B and we have to have a plan C because life happens and covid happens and the world shuts down and how do you get in front of kids and how do you have collaborative networking events and sorry, you can't see each other. You can't this is not an option anymore. How do how do we do this? And so I will say that I make goal like big goals. Like we know we need to do this. We have seen signs. We have gotten feedback. We've gotten understanding in in the world of, you know, curriculum writing and providing materials for schools and K through 12 comprehensive prevention and and student support. And how does this work? Getting feedback and listening and saying, okay, this is a clear goal. Now, the path to get there. May look like it's a big like a spaghetti string model for a hurricane. You know, we could go this way, we could go this way. The hurricane's coming. We know the hurricane's coming. We just don't know exactly where it's going to hit, what time it's going to hit, what strength it's going to hit, how how it's going to form and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the way we have to do goals sometimes is saying, I know this is the goal, but I need to be open during the process because the goal has been made very clear. And so, and I always go, if you have an unclear goal, don't make it a goal yet. Don't make it a goal yet. Put it as a possibility and put it on a sticky note and put it on the door and the wall and just let it hang there until, you know, Mm -hmm. then you start working on it. And if you get that confirmation of what that goal is, uh, in our office, sometimes somebody will say, it's the aligning of the stars. And I'm like, it's a God thing. okay? like it is clear this opportunity has come. I mean, like the first time we met, I was like, y'all God thing. got to tell you about this friend. Got to tell you about the world and the connections and the web, and I was like, and she's dynamic and she's beautiful and her heart, and she she has follow through. They were like, she's your BFF now, and I was like, (laughs) I know, and she's not even in the same state. (laughs) And so it was just this that that's the way I go plan now. It's Mm -hmm. you, you do the best you can and know that you might have to jump to a different spaghetti stream. And that's so
1: true. And I think that's the thing, the two things that I love that you put on it is that if it's not clear enough, like that's so true that I see a lot of the times in the work that we do. It doesn't mean that it can't change, but there's still, it's clear enough that you know what the direction you're going towards. Mm -hmm. And I love how you explain it as a hurricane because that's really (laughs) what it is like. You don't know. It's like the weathermen. We never know if they're right or wrong or whatever's going to happen. And you're in this, like where you're at, we know like it's, (laughs) you're in Alabama, lower Alabama. So it's a hear or miss and we may believe what they say or may not, but it is, it's life. And it's something that is so real that I feel like everybody deals with, but yet we don't talk about it enough. So, um, I would like to ask one more question along these lines too is that in this fighting, in this like even goal planning or any, the fighting of the, again, I hate to harp on it, but the mental health aspect of it that yeah. really, really comes with it that people don't see that aspect. What would you invite them to help them understand a little bit better about mental well being and then its importance?
0: I always tell our students and, and you can anybody you have the right to feel however you feel. If something makes you mad and you are aggravated at the world, if you are hurt, if you feel broken and betrayed, if you are on cloud nine and everybody's like, "Yeah, that was great." And you're like, "No, that was awesome." You have the ability to feel however you want to feel and you should feel it. It's the way we treat ourselves and others in the process of how we handle our emotions in life and when we can't let go, you know, there's this part of letting go that happens when you're on the bottom and you're broken of knowing that it's going to, it's going to be okay. I can come back from this versus holding onto it as your crutch. I can never be more than this. And the same as if you're at the top, there's always going to be someone who's coming up who has a different approach and who's going to be better. You know, you may not always be on top and you've got to let go of being on top because your season in life and life is like seasons. It is like storms. We've got to give ourselves grace. We've got to give ourselves understanding and we have to understand that we are going to have moments of grief. And if you ever look at the grief process, the array and roller coaster of emotions that you can start and end and feed and and return to, is very intense. And like getting a divorce is grieving a relationship that's ending, a, a family, a marriage, a world we thought was going to be this picture perfect little white fence with the dogs and everything, and it didn't. And and being ex- accepting of that and understanding that. It's OK to change your mind or for your feelings to flip like we are constantly growing, maturing, developing, experiencing new things. And we have to understand that PE is taught from the moment kids get into school, their physical health is what we t- we're going to do this, we're going to jump rope, we're going to go do this. But our mental health and coping with life of the unexpected, the unknown. And we as a society with COVID have been living in the fear of the unknown. When are we ever going to get over this? When is this going to happen? What if my grandparents get it? What if I bring it to them? What if this, the fear of the what if and the unknown, and going, I don't know today and I don't know tomorrow. But in reality, we never do. We never do
1: so true and i think it's impactful for the and i hate to say this this is what i and i've said this on the podcast a few times but my goal for my kids is to have a skinny onion and what i mean by that is that they don't have as many layers that need to be peeled back in essence that they can show their emotions that they can cry if they want like this earlier this morning my daughter um she lost it on something i was like okay explain to me why cuz i'm not understanding this is just Random cry fit, but it was something that was deeper to her that she thought that I was attacking her ego uh, because I was joking with her on something. And I'm like, okay, make sure that's a trigger word. We're going to work around it. Like, why does it, why does it uh, impact you so much Is the way that it does? But the thing too is what I see is not only in with children, but with adults that I really do think that the, Earlier that you can learn this, the more successful you will be to learn how to deal with your emotions, how to have those conversations, how to feel and hear and see, actually see people and understand if they're hurting or if they're um, needing something, if they're fighting. I feel well, like everybody's fighting a battle, but we sometimes we just don't take the time to stop and pause.
0: Well, in, in our, our society, and you're absolutely right, the quicker we learn and, and the younger we learn to cope and understand and the word respect. I'm very big on the word respect, respecting yourself, respecting others. What does that look like? And we're so quick to judge. I mean, in, in our society and and especially our, our younger generations, but even our older generations, we're getting used to if I Google it, I need a response. I mean, like everything is instant. We need to do it instead of saying I'm going to pause and process and think and breathe. And then I'm going to respond. Or I'm going to not take everything from the top three searches. I'm going to search more, which means in a conversation with a human, taking a parallel from the Internet to a human is I'm going to ask more questions. I want to get to know. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to be curious to see that, Okay, you are a 80 year old African-American male from Wisconsin and I'm the Southern 36-year-old white female from Alabama, but we have more in common than we realized because we got to know each other. And there can be human connection that is way beyond the basic levels of diversity because diversity is our life experiences. I mean, if you start asking people, how many people have gone through a divorce? I mean, how many people have changed jobs more than they thought? How many people are doing something you never thought you'd do in a million years? You know, how many of you like to cook? How many of you don't like to, you know, just basic stuff, not even life experiences, but understanding personalities. And we are so quick to judge and taking the moment to ask the questions, take a breath, process it and go, hmm. we can, we could like have a conversation, be friends. And I would have never mm-hmm. picked you out of a lineup in the mall. I mean, because we got to know each other.
1: And it's so powerful. And it's taken that time to to hear and see people that really do make the difference because you never know how you might impact their story going on. Um, so I know we're rounding up at the end of our time. So two part final question. First part is people are apologizing for fighting.
0: What would you tell them? Are you fighting? And I would not tell I would at, get them to ask themselves. Are you fighting for something of purpose? Are you fighting just to fight and have the last word? Facts. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. I mean, are you fighting for something that means something? And if it means something to you, then it's not just fighting, it's your mission, it's mm-hmm. your calling, it's the adversity in life experiences that have given you the opportunity to not only help yourself and those around you, but to help others. Mm hmm. So make your fight your mission.
1: That's so powerful and so true. And understanding um, with that from I'm thinking one of my life experiences with fighting and it's going to take longer than you probably think, too. It's going to take um, I remember it took me three years to get something that should have been like a win win. We knew it was a million dollar savings, um, but it just it was like it was getting rid of healthcare boundaries and, and barriers. It was just, it was this perfect situation, but some people thought differently and it was with a money impact. But my mission was for the people and for the health. And it took way longer than I ever thought. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that too on, on, it's like, dang it, this is common
0: sense here, isn't it? Oh yeah. We try to build software And I was like, this is going to be a six month quick little application to do such and such. Four years later, the right version. I was like, this is the longest process. But the goal never changed. Mm -hmm. The path, the methodology, the systems, the approach changed, tweaked. But the goal never changed. So true. So true. So powerful.
1: And uh, second part of the final Question is, how could people reach out to you and tell them a little bit about the organization, um, your nonprofit that you work with?
0: Oh, absolutely. So um, you can go to peerhelpers.org is probably one of the best places, easiest URL to find us. But the Jennifer Claremore Foundation is a nonprofit based in Baldwin County, Alabama, and we focus on youth mental health. And we do so through the education realm. So think about K through 12 schools. We're focused on providing all students with a comprehensive prevention curriculum that focuses on all types of abuse, drugs and alcohol. Bullying, mental health, and suicide. We focus a lot on coping strategies, how to deal with life. And then we also have another layer with our student peer helpers. So it's peer to peer support. I call it match.com minus the romance Mm -hmm. of life experiences, connectedness, and going, I know that students talk to other students first. I mean, we all talk to our peers first. If you want to know what's going on on a school campus, talk to the kids. They Mm -hmm. know what's going on. So we need to empower them to connect and help each other, but also recognize when the issue is bigger than what they can self-resolve. And that help seeking is not a weakness, it's a strength. Getting an expert, getting someone who knows more. If you have a friend who's thinking about taking their own life or their behavior and moods have changed, get some help for your friend, do not be scared because in the moment they're in a crisis and they can't have a rational conversation with you sometimes, Get them help. And in the long run, you're going to look back and go, best decision, best decision ever. And so our sister organization, Thriveway, helps bring that same program to schools outside of Baldwin County, Alabama. And that's Thriveway.com. And you can find my contact information on both sites.
1: Awesome. I thank you so much for joining me today, Allison. You're such a blessing and I like (sighs) you're one of my favorite people. So just thank you so much for giving your your time, talent and like even your treasure of your heart that you give to everybody you serve. You literally are an epitome of servant leadership. So I thank you so much. And I thank you for all that have listened in. I hope you all have an amazing and blessed day.